Hello, good people. You are listening to Feel Free to Deviate, the podcast about people, their careers, and their relationships with success. My name is Jim Turbert, and I am the host. The guest on this episode is photographer, educator, and photography book author, Sarah Malikoff. She is a professor at the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth and also a bona fide fine art photographer. So what does that mean? Well, she doesn't shoot products or weddings or school kids or real estate listings. She did, however, photograph my cat once. If you would like to take a few moments to familiarize yourself with Sarah's work before listening, go to sarahmalikoff.com real quick, but make sure you come back. You can pause this or you can listen to me talk while you look at her work, but make sure you come back. Are you back? Pretty good stuff, right? This episode is art and photo heavy, but it's not a crazy deep art discussion. It really is mostly a career discussion. And if you have ever wondered about the experiences of university level art teachers, this is your chance to hear all about it. Even if you've never wondered about that particular sector, it's a great episode and I think you might learn something. I had a good time. I'm pretty sure Sarah had a good time. And I hope some of that rubs off on you, dear listener. Side note, while editing, I realized that I at least partially misused the term Catch-22. It it irks me when people misuse words and phrases, and it irks me even more when the offender is me. I am very sorry. Okay, enough blabbing. Now it's time for the official blabbing. This is a spirited conversation with my friend, Sarah Malikoff. I think of you as fairly put together. Yeah, do you? (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's been been too long. (laughs) (laughs) I've... I uh I I think I used to think of myself that way, but over the past couple of years, I've started to doubt. I've started to have doubts about my level of put togetherness. Yeah, well, that you know, I think many people have over these specific past few years, and yeah, certainly me as well. Yeah, why? Just oh, just because I can't, as my sister says, I can't wear hard pants anymore. <laughs> hard, hard pants, which is just real pants. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I have to be I have to be in the sweats if if I'm home. Well, I I I can't really relate cuz I always just wear jeans. Well, I also consider jeans to be hard pants because you, you know, they're comfortable but still, you know. Not that this has anything to do with anything, but I I actually the thing that I love about jeans, one of the many things that I love about jeans, yeah, is that they can they can be both hard and soft pants. They <laughs> like a there's nothing in the world like a brand new crisp pair of jeans. It's the greatest. But yeah. then when you put on the old jeans, it's like going home. Any which way, maybe women's jeans are tighter, you know? I don't know. Women's jeans are a much more diverse uh, experience. I uh, the thing that I always I always notice about women's jeans is that the pockets are ridiculous. In what way? They're small. Oh yes. Or of some of them. I mean, they can be, or they can be not even really Use- pockets. Useless. They're just there for show. Right. They're like fake yes. pockets. I have pockets that are sewn up. Yep. That's that's stupid. Why, why would you do that? Um, you know. No, I don't. Fashion at crazy <laughs> standards. Who knows? I don't get it. I don't get it either. I'm glad that you're doing my podcast. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if you're glad after. Of course, I'm already glad. It's already going smashingly well. <laughs> I mean, not I'm not not only am I glad to be talking to you, but I'm also glad because I haven't done an I haven't done a photo slash art episode in a while, and and I oh, yeah? I'm excited for that. 
Oh, good. Yeah, I like. I've I've heard a few. I saw. I heard uh, Judy's and Dave's. Yeah, those guys are those guys are into art. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen to the Arno one? No. You should listen to the Arno one. I I mean, well, maybe not. I don't know. I I will. I, you're actually mentioned in it. You and Andrew both are mentioned in it. Oh. I th- I feel like that one is a. It's kind of a sleeper. Be- I'll ch- I'll check it out specifically. Yeah. I recommend it to everybody listening. Speaking of um, art in Boston, photo. I had a dream recently where Steve Terlentes was critiquing my podcast. <laughs> and what did he say? Uh, he's just like, I'm not sure what I'm getting out of this. Hmm. That was basically the crux of his critique. <laughs> what am I supposed to be getting out of this? And I'm just, <laughs> I don't think it was actually, I mean, I have no idea how Steve would feel. He probably hasn't listened to it, but I'm guessing that it has more to do with uh, my own personal anxieties and doubts. Oh, for sure. That's what dreams are about. Or maybe it's just a sign that I need to ask Steve to come on as well. Right. And then he can have a chance to say, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know what I'm getting out of this. <laughs> yeah. No, well, no. Yeah, for sure. That, that, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure what he would get out of it either, except for the joy of talking to me. Right. It is joyous. It, it's fun, right? It is. It is. So far, we're having a good time. I know. I like you're in my head. That's where I should be. Jim is in there. (laughs) Sarah, why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, my God. Well, this is a tough one. I am an artist slash photographer slash educator. Is that enough? (laughs) Yeah, that is definitely how I think of you, or at least partially. Is that how, how, like when you're at a party, when people say, oh, what do you do? What do you say? Okay, in in that little nugget, I probably just say photographer. And then that and then they don't understand that either because then they think yes, I shoot weddings, weddings or something more commercial. It's not always easy to explain that that's not what it is. And I hate the phrase fine art photographer or fine art or art, you know, just even saying I'm an artist. I mean, it's true, but I don't know. People have some weird associations, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah, I guess it also, yeah, it depends on what kind of party it is, too. Exactly. (laughs) For instance, I I know that you work at part of the UMass system. Yes. If you're at a function, like an all school function, and there are other faculty members, you know, donors or board members or parents or whatever there, I would imagine that some people get it and some people are like, hmm, that's interesting. That that is correct. That is correct. There's there's faculty in other fields that definitely have the impression that photography is just a technical skill. And how is that even in the art department? Possibly they might say. And then within the art department, there are some people outside of photography who say photography is pressing a button. <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there's some there's some really old, outdated opinions around, but then there's plenty of people who appreciate it. I think. Yeah, I I think it's I think for the most part it's just sort of ignorance. When I tell people that I I went to art school, they often immediately assume that that I'm a painter. Right. And then if I say, oh, no, I don't do that, then they assume that I went for graphic design because that's a viable field for mer- earning money. Right. Right. And you mentioned parents, of course. And oh, you yeah. know, I just I just did an open house the other day. And, you know, and, and rightfully so, they want to know what are the marketable skills if their kiddo goes and gets, you know, a photography major. I understand that. And there's lots of things to talk about in that way. 
So what do you tell them? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I just said there's lots of things to talk about. And then every time I stumble over it. But, but, you know, it's like I do have students who've gone on to be wedding photographers or have their own studio. Um, Even some of the skills in terms of uh, design, whether it be website design or other design or... I have students who work in the medical fields, you know, using photography in hospitals, and there's all kinds of things. You know, there are a bazillion applications for photography, but you went to an art school, art school. I went to an art school, art school. Yeah. I assume that the program at UMass is an art school, art school program. And there's a difference between an art school photography education and a practical photography education. You can argue that one is better than the other for this, that, or the other thing. But in general, I feel like a lot of the super technical stuff kind of gets crammed into an art education or it's left up to the student to sort of discover the technical stuff that they want to deal with. Whereas if you go to a a practical photography school, it's just like, this is 100% technical and we don't care so much about the content. Um, Yeah. I'm just wondering how, uh, I think students I think, reconcile that in in if you know if they end up working as a real estate photographer. <laughs> right. Oh, and that 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 is another I have several students doing that quite successfully. Um I I think the thing is, you know, the things that we stress in the art school photography are the things that you really develop in that kind of school environment, so critical thinking yeah. and reading photography. And we do learn technical things, and we don't go over every piece of gear in the world, but you can learn that. Once you know the basics, you learn what you're going to use that that anybody can do. But I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there to to sort of illustrate a possible uh, difference. In Boston, there are a lot of schools. You're aware of this. Yes, there are a lot of photo schools. There are a lot of photo programs in Boston. Boston's a big photo city, and you can go into any number of bars, restaurants, or cafes and see weirdly curated student shows yeah. up on the wall. And often, or sometimes, and I don't want, uh, this isn't a disparaging remark about a certain group of students, but there is a practical photography school in Boston called uh, NISOP. It doesn't exist anymore. All right. Well, it was a place where you could go and learn all yeah. the technical stuff. Yeah. And... I remember one of my teachers at MassArt <laughs> disparagingly talking about going in and seeing these student shows and seeing wonderful, wonderful prints of the most boring photographs they've ever seen in their lives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think a lot of people talked about that, and I think there was a truth to that. I also think that, you know, there were good students there, and, and I course. know people, I, you know, I know people there who are making really interesting As photographs. Do I. So, yeah, so... No, but I, I know what you're saying. There, there definitely was sort of a, a reputation and a talk about that. And, and frankly, you could be someone not very imaginative and do well there. Very um, well. Yeah. And also you make know. a ton of money. And, and go on to make a ton of money. Exactly. Exactly. It's just not your thing to be, you know, creative or right. whatever Whatever you need. Well, I, I to feel like some people use it, as, use it as a stepping stone. Like they get the technical stuff and they, they do also have ideas and sometimes they go on to another program or they just develop it on their own. Yeah. Yeah. But not everybody. That's true. 
<laughs> I don't know where am I going with this. I'm just. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, what exactly is um what's your what's your deal with photography? You, <laughs> I know that you've been photographing for a really long time, and I know that you're singularly focused on photography. I, I want to talk about what goes what goes along with that, but I'm also just curious what what like what did you want to be when you were a kid? Did you always want to be a photographer? Um. Not specifically. I would say that I knew I wanted to do something creative. You know, even as a kid, I thought, well, what is the practical application of this? And I thought I might do advertising, you know, not knowing what that was. Um, But I knew I I knew I wanted to do something um, in the arts and taking I was lucky to have photo classes in high school and you know fell in love with it by doing it but it wasn't like i was like i mean i was excited to take a photo class but i wasn't like this is going to be my career yeah yeah but But after high school then you went to you went to school school i I went to school school yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you kept photographing (laughs) i did i went to you know a liberal arts college again thinking not being sure what I was going to do. And I do have an interest in other things and the world. And I was excited to take, you know, not only English classes and humanities, but like I jumped into bio as a freshman. Yeah. And um, I'm All not sure why. Arts. I, I'm not sure why. I didn't, I wasn't even required to. Um, but then I became a studio arts major. Um, with an emphasis in photography, just there wasn't the specialization that you might have in an art school. Um, oh, really? Yeah. It, it, you know, uh, the the major would be studio arts, and then you would have a concentration, and mine was photography. Okay. But, you know, I see the requirements that my students who are earning a BFA um, with a photo major, and they, they have a lot more in-depth requirements than the BA had at a liberal arts school for what it's worth. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I think it's uh, interesting because I, I, I know that you went to uh, you went to some fancy schools, dare I say. You could say that. You went to fancy <laughs> high school and you went to fancy and you went to fancy for fancy college. And um, <laughs> and I know that and I know that your um, I know that your sister is a is a is a medical professional. She is. And I'm curious, were your your parents bugged out by their fancy school-going daughter majoring in art? Well, yes. But I will also say that they weren't so into me going to a fancy school that, well, with high, high school especially, I kind of weaseled my way into that. I didn't weasel my way into that school. <laughs> it was it was my motivation to apply and get accepted to that school. And then I was incredibly lucky to have the school provide the financial needs. So while it was a fancy school, it was not I was not there from parental pressure or parental finances. Ah. Um, so you know it's tricky. This is like family baggage and stuff. My father, I think, wanted to be an artist and specifically a photographer, which I didn't know 
when I was in high school. Oh, wow. Um, and he was forced by his parents to do something more practical. And um, he wanted to be an art history major, and he ended up being, I don't even know what, you know, some computer-y thing, ending up in a corporate job where he was miserable. I don't know. I think he didn't want me to do it, and part of him did want me to do it, but was maybe, you know, very scared. He was discouraging, wow. I'd say that, about, about pursuing that. Man, I wish I could talk to your dad. My dad is no longer with us. I'm aware of that. I, I, for a long time. <laughs> but he, I bet it would be an interesting conversation though. It, it, it could be. It could be. It would wig me out <laughs> just to have you talk to my dad. We, we could so, have a round table. All, we could all just sit down together. <laughs> not, not, the, not the thing I would wish for you, Jim. <laughs> well, but... But that's um, I think that's also interesting because, um, you know, we were just talking about all the all the practical applications for having a photography degree. And then you took your photography degree as far as it could go. And you are a photographer, specifically a fine art photographer, whether you want to identify as that or not. Yes. That's that's how I, the world would identify what you do. I, I will admit to that. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not making your living as a fine art photographer. The catch twenty two of of the of this is that you still need to find another job, whether it's photographing weddings or real estate or whatever. I, I know yes. that I mean I used to work at the the website company, and I every day I would look at hundreds of photographer websites, and some 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 people. I'm sure have fine art backgrounds, but on their website, you would never know it because it's just 10 different categories of every type of photography that's possible. They're just like, please hire me to do something. Yeah. So, I mean, like, is that why you are an educator or, or is there some passion? Are you deeply passionate also about, about educating? Um, that's an interesting question. I, because I think it's changed over time. I, I think that, when I decided to pursue teaching, um, you know, I was still in grad school and it seemed like the thing people tried to do. And, you know, there's easy things to say, like, you have summers off, you, you know, you have, you have more time to do your own work than if you had a nine to five, you know, year round job. Yeah. I think I mean, that's true to some extent. That's certainly not all of it. And you're actually busy with a lot of school commitments year round. But anyway, um, I didn't think I had some passion for education. I mean, I came, as you mentioned, I came from a very academic background and I thought there was some cachet or prestige to being a professor, mm -hmm. that, you know, or, or, or being part of an academic community was appealing, certainly. And I was used to that community. But mostly it was like this. Yeah, mostly it was like, this is something that I can do with my education and my passion for photography and and make money. And then by doing it, and it's really hard when you start, <laughs> um, just real. So like, you're either gonna pour your heart and soul into it, you know, or not, and probably not continue. I learned that I liked it. It's rocky at first. For me, it was. It, I don't think. I don't think it came naturally. Um, I think it does to some people, but not to me. But yeah, then there's parts of it. Not all of it. There's parts of it that are quite rewarding. 
and fulfilling. And sometimes I have to remind myself of that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that all of it's not 100% completely rewarding all the time? Mm, yeah. Because most jobs are. Yeah, I know. I know. It is, <laughs> it is, no, it is no different than, than any other job with its um, highs and lows. I'd, I'd say that it's a little bit different than some other jobs simply because you get to, you really get to impact people, you know, maybe not everybody, but you, you have the potential to make a big difference in somebody's life. Yeah. And that is, that is definitely one of the rewarding things. And yes, that wouldn't be a specific rewarding thing in other jobs necessarily. I talk about photo all day, except when I don't, except when it's the other administrative and uh, more student problems and things like that, that take over some of your time. I need this to graduate sort of things or? Oh, yeah. I mean, there there's rote advising things. There's also committee work. There's also, you know, students having issues, I think, always, but especially, you know, COVID, post-COVID, students are struggling a little more mm. and that, you know, sort of colors everything. Right. Do you notice, mm. do you notice that the, the psychological state of the students is uh, precarious? Yes. In general. <laughs> yes. In, in general. <laughs> um, no, I think it's worse. I, I think it's it's worse right now. Everybody in the world dealt with this huge anxiety and, you know, it impacted social skills and, you know, attention and focus and family pressures and I don't know, just that there, there's, you know, it's not, it doesn't affect everyone, but I, you know, I would just say I have students that are struggling more than usual. What do you tell them? I don't know. It dep It depends. It's, it's, it's hard. You know, I'm not, I'm not a therapist, no. though I sometimes feel like I'm treated one as one. <laughs> anyway, it's just, you know, trying to get them back on track with their work and to be focused on their work. You mentioned that in the beginning of the teaching process experience, it's uh, very difficult. Um, I'm not a teacher and I never have been, but I, I'm friends with lots of teachers. And yeah, and uh, yes, you are. <laughs> and I have a lot of art teachers, specifically other teachers, too, but mostly art teachers. <laughs> when you said it was hard, you, you talked about how you you weren't sure that it was for you, but you discovered that you really liked it. When you initially said that you thought it was hard, I was I was immediately thinking about the whole adjunct teaching system because that's the part that always seemed to be the most stressful for me. Not the actual doing the job, but the getting the job and getting some sort of per yeah. some sort of permanence. How did that affect your the the process of of your relationship with teaching? I mean, for sure, that's really hard starting out unless you just are incredibly lucky, but, but it's tricky. And, and I think it's, I think it's only getting harder. Yeah, you, you are in a situation for the first few years where every year you're applying for jobs because you get a job and it's for a year. Or a semester. Um, or a semester. They end for a number of reasons. You know, you might just get one class one semester and then it's enrollment dependent and it might not go on. I mean, in a sense, I was lucky. I got a lot of one-year visiting professor jobs, which is great in that it's, you know, full-time or almost full-time at one place, but it is specifically for one year. You know, they, they use those positions to get new people in. 
a lot of times it's younger people, you know, who are getting experience. Mm-hmm. But every year is, is the grind again of sending out your materials, updating your materials, interviewing every year for those jobs. Um, you get and, really good at interviewing, though. Oh, man. <laughs> fin- finally, I did. I was terrible. I think that was that was made it really hard at the beginning. I mean, that's what made teaching really hard for me at the beginning is I'm not like a naturally gifted speaker. <laughs> if you want to find job today, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but you know, you learn with practice. But it it took me <laughs> some years to to feel comfortable in an interview and and actually feel like I was making any sense. I um I've been interviewing a lot lately, and I think that I am good at talking. You are, but you know what my problem is? No, everybody hates me. It's my personality. They that's hate not, me. That's not Nobody true, wants though. to give me a job. Well, I don't think if they don't want to give you a job, it's your personality. Oh no, it's my. You it's have my, a fan club. It's my stellar hey. resume. <laughs> hey, what about the Jim Turbert fan club? What about it? <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dun 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 dun. No, I'm a member. Yeah, that's uh, I, I don't really I don't really do much art anymore. But for a while I did that. And I suppose doing this stuff takes takes up a, a lot of the time and energy that would go into that. But I did bust out my four by five recently. I I, I, I didn't um, I didn't use it. I was going <laughs> to but I busted it out and I'm 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 inching closer to using it. I'm going to take I I'm going to take some pictures of the kids and see what happens after that. Yeah, you should. I've been liking the photos you've been making, even though. They're not four by five. No, they aren't. I, I I have a ton of film in the fridge, and some of it is the Polaroid positive negative, which has been discontinued for a long time. I could probably sell it for like five thousand dollars because yeah. the people who love that stuff truly love it, and it's just been in my fridge. But at this point, yeah. I just I feel like I need to use it for something special. Yeah, I, I just need to get over the preciousness and just use it and do something with it. Yeah, I. Well, and you know this because we were talking about digital cameras when I bought my first digital camera. We have the same camera. Do we still? We still do, unless you got a new one. No, I don't have a new one. It's kind of changed things. I was so resistant, but, uh, and I don't love everything about it for sure. Nope. Just the flexibility Mm -hmm. um, and being able to try things that I wouldn't try. If, like you just said, the preciousness Mm -hmm. of of film and cost and, and time. I can try so many different things in the amount of time that I have and just try wacky things that I never would with film. So I'm liking that, that part of it. I don't know that I've seen any, I haven't gone to your website for a while. I sh- you know what? I, I, I guess that makes me a bad podcaster because I didn't go to your website uh, before I did this. Yeah, Jim. <laughs> I shouldn't have admitted that. You've seen you've seen work of mine that is digital, you know, whether you know it or not, because it's all... I didn't know it. You didn't know it, which is good. Yeah. Um, if you have one of these good cameras and you know how to use it, they're amazing. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And I could have a better one. I should upgrade. What are you, what are you thinking about? I don't know. You know, it, it's like I go through the... I'm, I'm not a tech geek, but then I can talk to you yeah. and start totally geeking out. You're kind and of... Get, I mean, you're like excited. a closet tech geek. I am. I am, but only with certain people and only when I have like a very specific... Like in general, I don't care, but then I'm like, oh, I think maybe I need a new camera. And then I really care that I get the best thing. Yeah. 
Um, and you, you are one of the unique cases where the super high megapixel cameras make sense. Yeah. And th they're, they're starting to get real big. Yeah. And that's why I could upgrade. Just mine is a few years old at this point. I think, I feel like, like 60, I mean, we're talking about in the price bracket of the camera that we both have, the right. fancy Sony cameras. I think that both Canon and Sony have 60 some odd megapixel cameras that are in the same price bracket as the, as the camera that you have. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'll, it's just that they're good. The point is that they're good. Uh, most people don't need the high megapixels, but obviously if you're making large art prints that may or may not be stitched together, I don't know, are you stitching? Or do you not want to talk about that? No, that's fine. I don't. I don't stitch usually. I mean, I've done it a couple times when I really can't um, back up far enough. Normally, normally I'm not and, and still getting pretty good results. I'm in small places, you know, shooting inside and have a wide angle lens. And yeah, I haven't found too much need for it. Well, you, well, you were talking about, you know, it being so hard because of the adjuncting thing or the impermanence, the whole teaching thing. Yes. But, but also it, it's weird because... I mean, this is how I feel about it. Nobody teaches, like you learn in grad school to be a photographer and to be an artist, but you don't learn how to be a teacher. Right. And I mean, that wouldn't be true if you were, you know, getting your teaching certificate and going to teaching school and, you know, studying pedagogy. Yeah. But to be a professor in many fields, I feel like you're just kind of thrown in to the teaching part of it and you you just find your way you figure out what works and doesn't work and and you have your network of friends that you know do it and give you advice yeah of course but um, <laughs> syllabi <laughs> yes such. every everybody's trading <laughs> syllabi all the syllabi are are frankenstein you know of all your friends yeah but a lot and a lot of people do um taing as well yeah i mean i guess i didn't do that much i i was a ta one semester in grad school and then I taught I taught a 16 millimeter filmmaking class. Awesome. I would totally school. take that class. I know. That was fun and I miss that. Um but with that you're just kind of thrown into it too. Yeah. Um at least that was my experience. Well, I can imagine that's kind of weird. In in some cases you're not even you're not even that much older or experienced than the undergrad students that you're yeah, starting for. off it's like some of them yeah. might actually be older than you in some cases especially at art school <laughs> yeah no i i still have that i mean <laughs> oh really i'm not well i'm not young anymore but i definitely have students that are older than me okay yeah. nice nice yeah that's yeah that's, i mean it happens a lot there are often there are often older students in art programs yeah whether they're lost souls or just like lawyers who decided to go back and learn about art there's there's all kinds of fascinating reasons actually you know some some of them are quite interesting and, and bring a lot to the classroom yeah at msr i used to enjoy the fact that the grad students worked in basically the same space yeah they had the grad studio they were printing in the same place like so um if you were color printing everyone's outside waiting for prints and you get to interact with all these grad students of varying levels of experience. And it, I, it was really great because some of the grad students are like, when, when you're in your early 20s and you're talking to like a 35-year-old grad student, mm -hmm. that's a that's a pretty valuable resource. And all, a lot of the time, these people have degrees in other things. Like, So I remember listening to crazy conversations about world history and politics and all kinds of stuff. So like, just being exposed to that is a huge 
was a huge part of my education as well. Yeah. No, for sure. It's uh, literally just yesterday I was thinking about, probably because I was knowing that we were going to talk, but <laughs> thinking about thinking about starting out with teaching. And a good friend of mine in grad school was a bit older, Jim Fawcett. I don't know if you ever met him. I, it doesn't ring a bell. But he was super experienced, had been a, a newspaper photographer. And I mean, he just knew a lot of stuff about life you know, photography and networking and so much of my early teaching, whether it's like getting, like he he got me jobs basically, or, you know, was a role model of how to do the job and, and, and also how to hustle. He would hustle and, you know, be teaching all over the place. So not that that was the fun part, but, you know, going to New Hampshire, you know, from Boston, going to New Hampshire one day, Rhode Island the next day, <laughs> and maybe throw Maine in there. No, for real. Like, that's like, uh, you know, Yoav as well, right? Yeah. Like, that dude was all over the place. I, I think he's settled now, but he was all over the place for a little while. He was teaching in New York City. He was teaching in Maine. Yeah. He was teaching in Boston, probably in Rhode Island, too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. People go all over the place. It's nuts. I, I don't miss the days when I had to file tax returns in like four states. Well, I mean, for the most part, though, you were you were pretty lucky. I mean, I remember you worked at Maine in Maine for a while, right? Like regularly. I I did. I mean, I had. But mostly it was around the Boston area, mostly. No, I feel like it's really not. The jobs I had in Boston were kind of in between jobs at at the art schools in Boston, Museum School, Mass Art, and um, you know, places like that. What is it? It's now Leslie, the Art Institute of Boston. It was. Um, and those were like fill-ins when things went wrong, but mostly like my my full-time jobs were four years in Maine at two different schools, and then a couple years at Brown. Oh, right. I forgot about that. In Rhode Island. Yeah, you said I was super lucky to get those, but I was still living in Boston. So that the thing the thing that always struck me about that class of educational worker, they're like migrant farmers of education. The um like some people just up and leave. They go to the big conference. What's it called? CAA. Took me a minute. They go and try to get a job anywhere in the country and then they'll just move to like Texas or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I can I consider doing that. I got a couple job offers over the years, you know, for tenure track jobs. And I, I was like very close. And then I was like, I can't do it. I can't move there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, I think that that really weeds we, or thins out the pack because it's I, I, people just can't keep that up forever, especially once you get into your 30s and 40s, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe even later. I don't know. It does get more tiring and you just get tired of it. I mean, yeah, sure, it's it's being older, but it's also like so I've many just times. paid my dues. <laughs> I've done this long enough. So many times. Yeah. So, I mean, so I don't work in Boston now. I mean, I, I'm super lucky and I love my job, but my commute is still, you know, over an hour each way. But the thing I always say, because for so many years, commuting to my job meant spending the night or right. multiple nights away from home, you know, for, for years now, I've been saying, at least I sleep in my own bed at night. It's a bonus. It is. Because... I've talked about education so many times on this podcast. I have no idea if you've been listening, so you possibly don't know. But I talk about education a lot, and the the idea of the importance of degrees comes up a lot. And you have a master's degree mm. in fine art in fine arts. It's a fancy pants degree, and it is required 
by most institutions if you want to teach. But let's say you're not teaching and you're just art person. An artist, they call them, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know where this question is going. (laughs) Do do you, though? I don't know. Maybe you do. Well, keep going. All right. It's a two-pronged question. Are you encouraging your students to pursue a master's degree in photography or fine arts? And let's just start with that. Sort of. It is. It's so tricky because... There is a lot of value in doing it. I found, you know, it it sounds so cliche, but like grad school were some of the best years of my life, you know, creatively and and socially. And it's it was really great. I mean, I happened to find a community that I could really feel a part of, which is not easy for me in the rest of life. I I didn't have that even in college um, where I felt that way. I mean, the museum school is a really special place, but there's a lot of debt that comes with that. So much. And, and for me, obviously, it was worth it because it's necessary for my career, which I'm happy with. And I think it would be useful in other careers. It gets trickier the more the debt rises and the teaching jobs shrivel. It's harder to say yeah, you should definitely go to grad school. Yeah, I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah. Because all the reasons that you just said are, I think, are great reasons, especially when you added the fact that you you find it difficult to find that sort of community. Yeah. It's like a you're, you're entering a curated c- community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In yeah. a sense. And, and as I mentioned before, just being surrounded by these people with other experiences, is that, that was maybe just as valuable as as being in the school itself mm-hmm. you know like I, I i definitely understand that i'm just i'm asking because there are obviously people and rightfully so who suggest you can get you know the same education on your own by practical real world experience or going to the library or whatever and to a certain extent yeah, yeah i mean especially in the technical stuff that's right true. Right, the technical stuff is true. Or the reading, the reading the, list is is pretty easily accessible. The reading list, but then who do you talk about it with? Yeah, you I, know, yeah. Um, I think I think that's part. You know, it, it's finding your people, but it but it's also finding the people that you can, you know, share your work with and mm-hmm. critique with and and discuss the readings with and, you know, and obviously have the professors that. Um, yeah guide that you know um yeah i think i think you know and we we started off talking about that the difference between like you can teach yourself the technical stuff and you can you know you can engage in ways to learn the other things or engage with the other things but it's just kind of set up for you that way yeah well if you're fortunate enough to live in a city like boston or i know that there are other organizations and i think there's one in houston and and pittsburgh there there are uh institutions like the Photographic Resource Center, where you can become a part of a community that way. Mm-hmm. They arrange things and they have portfolio reviews and they have, that's true. They have uh, discussion evenings and, and whatnot. Yeah, um, that's true. But I don't know if every city has something like that. Yeah. I know that there are photo clubs all over the place, but like, I don't know, it always, the, the idea of a photo club always seemed kind of weird to me, unless I knew people in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From the outside, it seems a little weird. It, it may be great, and there may be great ones. Yeah, you know? 
Yeah. When I hear photo club, I think like, oh, look, pictures of birds. I think some of them have have that. Yeah. I mean, it depends on who is um, involved. Of course. Yeah. This isn't so much uh, the uh, the second prong of that question. I don't know. I feel like there's a certain snobbery around the master's degree as someone without a master's degree. (laughs) Yeah. Do you? Um, and I'm just wondering, I remember, uh, you know, Dave, our, our mutual friend, Dave. I, I do. <laughs> he was uh, he he was telling me at some point, or maybe it was he and Cassie were talking about it, and that one of his or their mentors basically told them that as the holder of, of, of such a degree, you need to convince yourself of its importance. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's worthless. <laughs> Well, that's a, I'm paraphrasing. Um, I don't think that that's the way that they put it. That's the way that I interpreted it. <laughs> okay, I I get that. I think you could say that about a lot of choices in life. I think you're probably right. <laughs> um, and you know, whatever else I can convince myself of that it was useful, I I know for a fact that I wouldn't have my job if I didn't do it. Ten four. So, so there, you know, there's a very concrete. Now, I mean, but again, as you said, like a lot of people aren't going to go on to teaching, so it's a different, you know, not that it's less useful, but but there's a very concrete reason that I'm using it and that it it feels necessary. <laughs> well, I, I don't think that the other reasons you mentioned are right. bad reasons. I think they're perfectly right. good reasons. It's the same with any degree, really. Like, yeah, you could go teach yourself how to do all kinds of stuff. Also, some people are just better at doing that than others. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't want to say handholding, but some people just need more guidance and or at least to get pushed in the right direction. I mean, I wish it wasn't such high stakes, right? You know, unless you can get, you know, a fellowship somewhere, which is fairly difficult, I think, in photography. Uh-huh. Um well, there are only so many. Right, right. Um, it just becomes really high stakes. But I don't think it's necessary, as you mentioned. To be an artist. To be an artist, right. But it's nice to be bona fide. Well, <laughs> that may be part of what, what you were referencing with the, like, you convince yourself that it was worth it. <laughs> well, it also convinces some other people. It immediately shows some people that you've jumped through a certain number of hoops that means that you're not incompetent, you know? I guess. I don't, I don't know if I... I <laughs> If I find that <laughs> on, a, on a, you know, outside, outside of my job, I don't know that many people are impressed that I have an MFA. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it just doesn't come up. I always wanted to go get one, but then that window just sort of closed. I decided it was no longer worth it for my time or money. And I think that's a very fair decision. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, not because I have the inability to learn or to find people to talk about art with, but because I feel like I've always wanted a mentor and I <laughs> and I've never actually I haven't had one since maybe I was a tween. It's funny you say that because I I never felt like I had a mentor even going to Well, this dude, what's his name? Jim Fawcett sounds kind of mentory. Oh, well... Was that his name? Yeah, Fawcett. I mean, he was a good friend, which doesn't mean he can't also be a mentor. You know, he was a a fellow student who, you know, had different... Yeah, no, he he was a student. But again, he was older and had, you know, really specific life experience that he shared and helped 
some of us. But I mean, I guess that's the point is that the community, like I, and I'm by saying I didn't have a mentor doesn't mean I didn't have great professors, but I just didn't have one that I bonded with. You know, I, I feel, I feel right. lucky and I'm still in touch with a lot of my professors or people who were around, who were around that community at that time. What about books? What about books? I like books. <laughs> yeah. You made one and you're making two. I'm making my second book as we speak. I don't know. I love books. It's funny. I was going to mention, we were talking about grad school and community. And one of the things I so loved, um, my job was working in and then basically running the library at the museum school. When you were when in grad, school. grad school, and after that was my first, that was my first real job. You know, when when nice. I became full time and um, head of that library, the library was like an offshoot of the museum library. So I did not have a library degree. I never got one, but but right. I was sort of managing the museum school side of it, and just could be with books all day long and pick new books and direct people to books they would like. Yeah, so I just always loved art books as a way to consume art as you know did you grow up with them no no i always kind of love libraries i mean i'm i'm a geek in that way but i think art is something you know you have exhibitions and those are great and you strive for those and i love making the object you know that goes on the wall and that is really different than its presence in a book but it is a a more accessible or a more um, portable and consumable, you know, way to look at art, a way to return to it over and over again. It's also a a a, a, a very specific present way to present your art. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, the sequence becomes more important. Um, yeah, yeah. But I love I love going back to a book. You know, it's like I see an exhibition and I'm floored, but I don't often go multiple times and see new things but you can definitely do that with a book yeah especially if it's not in your city you know, right you know, if it's right yeah so it's just it it's different because it's not the same as as the you know crafted object um and a lot of people talk about how photography books are closer to photography than say a book on a painter or a sculptor and i and i get that that photographers kind of think in that way and that a photograph is fairly well represented in a book still pretty attached to my own printing and crafting of the photograph you know which is different yeah it's it, it's different but of course it's hard to separate looking at photographs printed in books or newspapers or magazines it's it's like it's just part of culture mm -hmm. whereas paintings don't have that you know you don't look at a book with actual paintings right <laughs> right because photographs are re reproducible in the ways that they're reproducible right. it's not a photograph of a photograph i mean in some cases it is but it's 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 different than a than a reproduction of a painting in a book right <laughs> it can be its entire purpose in fact you know like, i know i know i know and and i mean a lot a lot of that is obvious i mean i this is on my mind um 
It's not obvious. It's not. Well, I don't think that it is. I don't think that any. I don't think that most people give it a second thought. That's. Well, I maybe. think it's important to, to to sit to state these simple these simple ideas. Because well, I think photographers I give think, it a lot of thought. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but believe it or not, this most people listening to this probably aren't photographers. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, and you know, these things are on my mind. As you said, I'm, I'm making my second book and I, I literally got back. I was in Germany on press while the book was being printed a week or two ago. It's really exciting to see the work be printed. And I think it looks good. I'm, I'm happy with the way it's turning out. But and, and this is, again, being technical and, and geeky about it. You know, the color range is not the same on a CMYK no. press as a yeah. continuous tone, <laughs> you know, C print. So, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they, they look different. But I think I think I'm excited for it. It'll, it'll be good. Well, what is the new book? All right. Well, first, what, what's the first book? What's the first book and what's the second book? Are they related or is it a different project or? They are related in that um, you mentioned one thing you said a while ago was I am singularly focused. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and and you meant on photography. No, um, no, no, not I didn't just not just about photography. Oh, you meant what I'm going to say? Well, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I have always been interested in exploring interior space and specifically domestic interior space. Not that I have never photographed other things or I wouldn't photograph other things, but it has kind of been my obsession or compulsion for many years to look at the ways that we arrange our things. Like, what is it that we collect? How do we display it? What do we hide? All, all those kinds of things, like just notions of home, you know, separating us from the outside world, but also the ways that we bring in representations of the outside world. So, for example, the first book was called Second Nature, and it was these interiors. You know, I love color. They're, they're large format, colorful, um, and focusing on representations of nature within a home. So I'm trying to think of like a pithy example. You know, the cover is this kind of modern looking sofa in a living room with a big picture window behind it where you can see the landscape outside. It's hazy and overexposed, so it's less real than the inside. And inside, you know, there's a large house plant, but then this replica of a canoe that is a coffee table. Somebody thought to make a coffee table out of a little canoe. Because they're outdoorsy. Because they're outdoorsy. I mean, you know, it's quirky and it's fun, but but, but in context of, you know, finding things over and over again, I think I was trying to make a point about this, this need to live around nature, but often it's in this very controlled way, somewhat artificial way, when the stuff is right outside the window. But, you know, we need to be protected from the elements and locking other people out of our space. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, <laughs> <laughs> keep them out. You know all all the functions that a home has. Yeah, <laughs> you know, li li literally. So carpets that are made to look like rocks and patios, or um, trying to think of other examples that are in there. Oh, there's a famous example of it might have been in your home of your cat with her whale pillow 
in, um, you know, this white cat in a white room. Uh, I like that photo. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm a little biased. (laughs) No, you're you're biased, but a lot of people like that photo. Yeah, Um, well, B is a superstar. Was a superstar. She's no longer with us. Yes, yes. R.I.P. B. But you guys should come visit again so you could photograph the new cat. I want to. (laughs) Also, it's a different space. That was at our apartment. This is this is our house. Yes, but whatever it doesn't matter. But yes, I'm just I'm just joking about that. But go on about the book. I'm sorry for derailing you. No, that's fine. Well, that was the first book. So they're interiors, and they have a certain I don't know a certain look. I'm you know I'm looking for certain things, patterns, you know, formally color and patterns and and perspectives within the room with this thread or this theme of representations of nature. After that, the the way I come up with ideas, I guess, or or themes is just by shooting what I want to and then noticing what keeps popping up. So I started noticing that I was drawn to the portraits that people put on their walls. Mm. Um, so who are they? Because sometimes they're family members, sometimes they're, you know, ancestors, old, you know, older, more distant family members, but then celebrities or historical figures you know pets certainly so i i sort of started looking for those and that was a series called interior portraits you know again with the double entendre in my titles i hate my titling by the way so (laughs) just just okay (laughs) no it's 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 a it's a huge part of like Okay, I have this idea and I'm putting these images together and then a title is important and and I'm just pretty bad at it. So yeah, interior portrait being I'm literally looking at the portrait in the interior, but then again, the interior is functioning as a portrait of the person who lives there as as well. Yeah. So working on that, I kept finding what I thought were pretty interesting and sometimes humorous portraits of like like, why does somebody have a portrait of George Washington in their bedroom? That's a great question. And it's it's fascinating to me. And and again, kind of humorous. So I started finding things like that. And, you know, and again, first the portraits that kind of came off the tail end of that other project, and then other things as well. So, you know, a, a bust of Caesar or um, <laughs> trying to think of other things, you know, a chair that's upholstered with drawings of Paul Revere's ride. You know, these are all things that I photographed for the new book, the title of which is Personal History. Not my history, not my personal history, but the fact... But it's personal. <laughs> it's, well, people's spaces are personal. And then they're finding histor- They're finding interest in historical events or figures that they want to display in their home. And I, I just find... Personal. Yeah. <laughs> the, just that connection that we seem to need, you know, like before it would like we seem to need to have this connection to nature and we also seem to need to want to talk about or explore a connection to history so what is that is it like is a person with the george washington portrait like is that an ancestor of theirs or are they or or are they just extremely patriotic or are they a history teacher <laughs> um, 
you know? These are all great questions. Right. And 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 <laughs> these are the questions I hope to pose by, <laughs> by <laughs> pointing them out to you as a viewer <laughs> within my work. And and just again, you know, the different motivations, you know, sometimes it could be like a like a really personal thing if it's related to family or heritage, but but then it might just be like I want to look smart you know <laughs> i think that that's i think that that's a really big motivation i, I think it sometimes. is too and i you know i find i i mean i'm laughing about it i'm not making fun of it. it it i find it fascinating you know um and then we have obsessions like one of my um a, a picture that i love in the book this person has a collection of jackie o memorabilia and yes. just she's just kind of obsessed with jackie o and i just find I find that interesting. And she has these objects arranged in a room that is this like Pepto-Bismol pink color. It's not just finding the historical references, like the portrait of George Washington. It's also the fact that like he's hanging over a double bed in, in a bedroom. <laughs> that's weird. That's bonkers. Right, right. So it's, it's the context. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yes, I find these objects that I find interesting in and of themselves, but it's really about where they are and why they are where they are and how how they resonate, you know, with the other decor and chosen objects and and all of that. So this brightly colored pink room with this bold pattern bedspread, and then you know she has tons and tons of books on on Jackie and a Jackie doll and you know all these little things in the room. All right. Well, what does this mean? I have uh, there was one time Dave posted a picture on social media of him in his house and he and in the background, there happened to be one of my self portraits, mm. one of the, uh, the the women that we used to work with at Wellesley that I used to work with. He still does work with commented on the image. You have a picture of Jim on your <laughs> wall. <laughs> Oh my God! It's it's making me think. I I always wanted to photograph in Dave's apartment, and I haven't yet. And I could have done that for interior portraits. It would be you know kind of meta for me to photograph Dave's apartment with the portrait of you. That's the self. I don't know if it's still up there, but <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. Oh man, I missed an opportunity. Oh, and also because you're in the spacesuit, and that could be like a historical reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is that patriotism? Like, what is? <laughs> Who knows? What is, what, <laughs> what, what is, is this? Jim's art? Why about? did you do this? <laughs> what is your deal, dude? <laughs> oh my god, many layers. So many layers of art. I can't stand it. <laughs> it's it's really fantastic. In our recent uh, in our recent uh, texting, when I was trying to convince you to do the podcast, I mentioned a conversation that you and I had uh, it's years ago at this point, where you were telling me about an experience you had at a portfolio review, where you were putting together the first edits for a book before the book was even planned. Yeah, you, it was just the idea of the mm -hmm. book, like that was that was your goal, and I can't remember who the reviewer was. Or if that's important, but I remember you telling me that the that the reviewer asked you, "Why do you want to make a book? Like everybody wants to make a book. Why do you want to make a book? So why why do you why do you <laughs> why do you want to make books? Is it is it because you need to make the books, or is it for again for status or for like what what what's what's up with wanting to make books? <laughs> why do why do photographers want to make books? 
Well, I think there's so many reasons, and you just you just <laughs> mentioned a few of them. I mean, I I mentioned one of them, you know, in my rambling about loving books. It, yeah, no, but I think that's a really good reason. I think that's a good reason is that I I like to look at them, and part of that, you know. It, Again, is the sequence and the be- being able to go back to it and seeing new things, being able to own it. I mean, being able to have it. I own too many. <laughs> you own a lot of books. <laughs> I, there's that, and that that creates its own problems. But it's easier to buy a book than it is to buy the framed photograph financially. Financially speaking. So I love those things about books. So that means as an artist, I like to think about those things in my own work, you know, that being the connection between images, the sequence. And one of the things I hope is true about my own work is that you can see new things in it when you look back at it. You know, I do, I have these little details that don't stick out necessarily at first. And I have had people mention to me like, oh, I never noticed that thing before that's like actually important to how I see it now. I want to have my work be in that context. I also, sure, I want the status (laughs) and the prestige. (laughs) Hell yeah. Got to get recognition somewhere. Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, a, a, a friend of mine, um, that you know who you know bill burke you know who has published a lot of books and a lot of really important um photo books that that get a lot of attention you know talks about like it as a legacy like the book will be around well after i'm gone hopefully unless everybody goes at the same time um which you know that could happen but well <laughs> sorry <laughs> Well, no, it's it's just funny. Like I, 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 in my news feed, for some reason, I think because when the 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 new space satellite telescope, uh, the Webb telescope was 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 launched, I was reading a lot of articles about that, and now I get all this weird space stuff in my news oh, yeah. feed. And every week, there are th- at least three articles about asteroids heading towards Earth. Yeah, interesting. Which is, is just it- like, dude, how many times can you write this article? I mean, aren't they like? Training satellites to smash into asteroids before they head here. I don't know. Yes, and I, yeah. Again, sorry for just no, derailing you. No, it's, it's all just, wrapped up in like, the same. <laughs> <laughs> the existential dread. It's it's all existential dread, and you know that's that's a good motivator for making a book too. <laughs> You know, and it's a different it's a different way of I mean, if you say there's a certain status to it, part of that is just it's a different way for people to become aware of your work and see your work. I mean, if I have a show somewhere, yeah, how many some people, people can go to the show? It. Right, right, but it's not um it's not the same. No. So, no. Um it's a way to to get your work out there. Um, yeah. Plus books are cool, right? And they're cool and they don't hurt when you apply for being full professor. So there's that too. <laughs> no, I guess <laughs> I guess I guess that's a bonus. <laughs> right. I was I was lucky that the first one came out right as I was applying for tenure. It didn't hurt. It's a nice book too. I like it. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Thank thank you for making it. You're welcome. It did it for <laughs> you, Jim Turbert. When I said you were focused before, I, I was I was referring 
not only to the topic of your art and your your dedication to that, but your focus on your career in in general, like whether it's dealing with school stuff or gallery stuff or potential show stuff. I don't know if it's healthy. Like sometimes you seem a little bit too stressed out about oh stuff that maybe you shouldn't be stressed out about. But like you are always you always seem to have some sort of career thing on your mind. And like, yeah, like I don't see you very often anymore. But every time I talk to you you're always working hard on something and i i yeah i mean that's that takes a lot of a lot of focus yeah. and you've been able to make books you've been able to uh get gallery shows and and other sorts of shows and yeah i, I don't know i think that makes you a pretty successful person uh, does or at least as an art as an artist it makes you successful more at least to some some degree yeah like, i mean you know how do you feel about it? <laughs> I think I'm incredibly stubborn. <laughs> I was just I was just talking um to a friend about this that I'm incredibly stubborn and and I think, you know, as you mentioned, there are downsides to that. <laughs> um and I I think uh there's there's upsides to it too. I I think that a lot of what you could call success um is is due to just not giving up. I, I mean, I think you know, on the on the teaching thing, I just was like, I just didn't give up. And I mean, it's easy. A lot of people don't give up, but there's such crazy stuff involved that I know plenty of really talented artists and educators who just were like, I can't do this anymore, and I don't blame them at all. And there was a lot of luck or good fortune in what I was able to string together, but I just was not going to give up. And I think a lot of it is, um, well, I'm going to say spite, but, (laughs) 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 but, but not always, you know, like, you know, I already mentioned my father and, and, you know, not necessarily being supportive, but I, I remember, you know, one thing he said to me when I was talking about going to grad school he, you know, he, he researches things to to make his point, and and he was like, under two percent of people who get their MFA end up getting a teaching job. Where did you get that no, number? I have is that, no is that idea. Accurate? I, I feel like maybe it is. I mean, that's that's really low it, number. It's low, and I I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, it's it's low. But like because he said that, I was like, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> i'm not suggesting this (laughs) that sounds really healthy (laughs) it's not (laughs) no it's i mean you gotta have motivation from somewhere it's not i'm so i said yeah whatever healthy schmelthy i it's you know you get your motivation where you can get it right and and i mean it's it's not i mean i'm making a joke about it and i mean obviously it's not the only reason and i have i do have like like I just think an organic internal thing in me that wants to do something and really wants to do it. But if somebody tells me I can't do it, that's going to make me want to do it more. And it just it just happened with a, a picture I was on a shoot the other day. I mean, it was something silly. It was like, can I use this little prop and make it bigger in Photoshop to have it be an important part of the picture? And someone was like, no, that's not going to work. You can't do that. So what did I spend, you know, eight hours on yesterday? <laughs> it's it's working. It's working. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, because I won't let it not work now. <laughs> but, yeah, that's anyway. really good. 
And it's not the only reason, you know, for spite or, or, or whatever to prove my point. But I, I do, I think it's going to be a good picture. Like I, you know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't think that it actually could, could be something good that I'm stubborn that way. Well, this is what I mean about the focus. I'm focused. It's like maybe a nicer way of saying it. I remember one time you were showing me test prints of something and you're like, look at this one and look at this one. What do you notice? I'm like, what am I looking for? It's like, just tell me what you notice. <laughs> like you're basically like, like you were basically wanted me to, like you didn't tell me this, but you were looking for like, if I could see the Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel, I feel so badly for <laughs> for my friends that I that I do that too. And now I have a, a just a lovely assistant and all I do is put him through the ringer of, <laughs> of this kind of thing. But that's why there's an acknowledgement section in the book. <laughs> it's nice to be acknowledged. Yeah. I think I feel like we're good. Are, are do you feel like we're good? I think so. Thanks for being on the show. I I really appreciate it. And um maybe uh I don't know, maybe we could do it again sometime. That would be nice. And just to chat. Okay. Thanks. Bye. See ya. That was Sarah. Super fun, right? Was it too arty for you? Photo people are probably sitting there saying, that was barely arty. It's a matter of perspective. I don't think it was too much or too little. I, I, I think it was balanced. There were so many great things about our talk that I almost don't know what to say. So I'll go back to my point about her being focused. She called it being stubborn. I call it being focused. How do you see it? Maybe because I know her, I look at pretty much everything she does as contributing to her need or desire to continue making photographs. She doesn't give up, and pretty much everything she does career-wise contributes to allowing her to continue making photographs. And she's accomplishing that. Thus, she's a successful person. Thanks for being on the show, Sarah. I hope to talk to you again soon. As I mentioned in the introduction, you can see Sarah's work on her website, sarahmelikoff.com. There's a page on that site that showcases her book, Second Nature, sarahmalikoff.com slash books. Also, she's represented by the Howard Yazerski Gallery in Boston. Drop in there and buy a photograph, or just go to the site and look around. The link for that is howardyazerski.com slash sarah hyphen malikoff. Check the show notes for links and spelling. Full disclosure, I'm not represented by any galleries, but you can check me out on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at Feel Free to Deviate. Follow, like, interact, tell all your friends. If you'd like to contribute financially, there's a donate page on feelfreetodeviate.com. You can see Feel Free to Donate in the menu. Or you may prefer going to buymeacoffee.com slash feelfree. That's just feel free, no deviations. It's a quick, easy, and painless way to help offset the cost of running the show while simultaneously keeping Jim Turbert caffeinated, which costs more than you might think. Coming up in two weeks is Holly, or Yoris, I think. Holly's an actor, actor, and a voice actor, and Yoris is a superstar DJ. Regardless of the guest, I will be here. Have a good one, two, or three. I hope they're all good. Thanks for hanging out with us. Goodbye. Goodbye.